Welcome to the Forever Classic Podcast, the show that seeks enlightenment through video games, films, and other geek culture. Welcome to 2021, a whole new season of Forever Classic content. We've got a lot of things on the docket, a lot of things we missed at the end of 2020, and just a a lot of things to talk about as the world seems to be completely different than it was just a week ago. So (laughs) I'm here joined by Zach and Joe, of course. So Zach. Hello. Hello. I feel like we haven't talked to you all in forever. No, not all three of us. I mean, I live with Joe now, so I talk to him all the time. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a shame and a tragedy. And then me and Zach were guests on the uh, Nerdy Ladies with Opinions podcast to talk about Mega Man. That was fun. That was actually really fun. And then we've also got some joint efforts coming up soon with the Zombie Girls podcast and the Here's Johnny podcast. And we're going to do basically a a fantasy draft almost, but it's all about video games and review scores. It was something that Kind of Funny did a while back that I thought was really cool. And Justin over at Here's Johnny was like, yeah, I'd really like to do that if you're all into it. So that's something we'll probably do here within the next week or so. That'll be fun to follow around with. And I don't know, we'll probably make some bets or something during that, that episode. That should go on the Forever Classic podcast feed. So look forward to that as well. Well, so I guess let's start this off by like, let's just see how everybody's doing. Joe, what have you been into, man? I mean, lately, I guess I would say the thing that I'm most into is for Christmas, I got all of the omnibus volumes of Hellboy. Yeah. And so I've been basically oh. reading Hellboy nonstop for the last like week and a half, two weeks. And now I'm I today I finished volume three and I'm going to start in on the fourth volume. It's phenomenal. It does a really good job of combining kind of like modern superhero stories with like traditional like occultism and also like other like Eurocentric like religion and like folklore and like little bits and pieces from like Africa and Russia and like all these other places too are all kind of like thrown together to tell this like really phenomenal story about kind of like this person who has a destiny but he doesn't like that destiny so he's like no screw you I don't want to do that. So that's kind of like what I've been into. Otherwise, I've been playing uh, some Spider-Man Miles Morales and wrapping up on uh, my playthrough of Tales of Vesperia. Yeah, I've been watching you get to the end of Tales of. It's definitely the type of RPG that's not for me. But right now, I'm kind of in a JRPG mood because I finished Persona 5 Royal. It happened. I got to the end. It only took eight to nine months. (laughs) of just like playing maybe a week or two at a time and i don't even know if i recommend others finish persona 5 because it's just such a massive undertaking and in my opinion the final act is just not worth it the game itself is great the characters are fun and really memorable and of course the style and the music is excellent but man that last chapter just kind of comes out of nowhere and doesn't do much for me granted i did miss out on the extra dungeon so i do want to go back into the game and skip through a bunch of stuff make sure that i talk to those characters that i need to talk to and then actually like go through the the optional dungeon so maybe i'll I'll have a report on that eventually but uh shortly after that i started playing 13 sentinels which is another story driven kind of a jrpg title it's like a visual novel with a lot of visual elements surprisingly like more so than most visual novels but then there's also this like weird real-time mecha strategy game thing happening it's weird and i don't know if i recommend that one to anybody to everybody either but it's it's interesting and i'm excited to see where the story goes because it has all these like crisscrossing lines hmm. that sounds really interesting though the art style is worth checking out it's from VanillaWare, the same people that did like odin sphere amongst other games and then i also just finished recently both no more heroes games on the switch 
and Age of Calamity. I've been busy since we've talked. Yeah, I'd say. How do you think about the, uh, or what did you think about uh, No No More Heroes? No More Heroes is, I don't like the character. Like, Travis as a character irritates me. But (laughs) the games are so, like, stylish and they really just kind of go for it, and you can tell that it's a team that is really passionate about what they're making, and some of the absurd moments are just laugh-out-loud hilarious. So it's been fun to play, but I don't necessarily think it has the staying power as, like, most other franchises. But now I'm excited to see where the third one ends up. I want to see what happens to Travis. I want him to grow as a character. (laughs) I mean, I think that's a staple of a lot of, like, Suda's work, right? Is Like, it's not necessarily going to be, like, Everything in Suda is a bit rough around the edges. Like, they don't always have the most likable main characters, but the the way it's all thrown together and the way it all kind of ends up coming together is where its charm lays, I guess. Like, you're not really rooting for Travis, but you're kind of wanting to see how bad this train wreck really can get. Yeah, and the the folks at Marvelous and Grasshopper Manufacturer, like, they've had some really cool projects over the years, and I, I think I've played maybe a couple of them. Like, uh, Let It Die I thought was fine, but this release on the Switch I think was a really, really good move for them because not only did they include the motion controls used in the original Wii releases as an option, but now, like, once No More Heroes hits Switch, the entire series is on Switch, and that's a platform of just sheer convenience, so it, it just makes a lot of sense for them to put that out and to me that makes these ports a victory because you know they run well they're on the switch and they're inexpensive they're, i think they're like 20 bucks a piece if that so i'm whole new to the new no more heroes franchise and i kind of like it even though i like think that most of the characters are garbage and i would not want to hang out with them in person <laughs> but zach what have you been up to man i've been playing through just a bunch of everything uh, i took some time off from animal crossing so i have been rewinding time to play back through everything from the end of september Ooh. so i've been kind of skipping up two days at a time so i don't lose any of my villagers oh yeah uh, uh what else so I've been doing a lot of house stuff, a lot of work stuff. Game-wise, I've picked up watching some K-drama stuff with Toast, and we've been watching Uncanny Counter, which has been hilarious Hmm. and kind of really sad and happy. It's really cute. Is this a K-drama, you say? Yeah, and it's on Netflix. Cool. I've seen a few of those. What was the name Uh, of it again? Uncanny Counter. Uncanny Counter. All right, so if anybody's listening... Sounds like a D&D feat. Yeah, (laughs) it does. (laughs) That sounds right at home on a character sheet. Speaking of tabletop, I guess me and Joe have been playing quite a bit of Gloomhaven. At least we've had a a few sessions now. And that's been a really interesting experience. It's like, basically, Gloomhaven is like, what if a Dungeons & Dragons board game style situation was 90% the combat and, like, moving your minis around and making cool strategic decisions? And that was always some of my favorite bits of D&D, even though the role-playing is, like, super important. And you could inject that into Gloomhaven. Like, I'm having fun with just the crunchy kind of like easy to get a hold of but it seems daunting at first but it's not when you're playing it i don't know gloomhaven's cool yeah it's it's kind of coming into this like popularity of the concept of a legacy board game where one session carries over into the next so you literally have like stickers that you get and you place on the game board or on your character sheet and you have a long-term goal and when you accomplish that goal your character basically can retire and you can open up a new character pack that you've been working towards this whole time and it's really fascinating to have that kind of like carry over from session to session versus the traditional board game where it's all like self-contained into one experience every time you play that is really cool 
Mm-hmm. Definitely recommend checking it out. Uh, I think it's a little expensive, but what you get with that is just kind of this massive box full of goodies, and it's kind of fun to, like, slowly unravel those characters by unlocking them. So I recommend mm -hmm. that if you do pick up this game, like, don't look at all the characters. Only look at the ones that you're by default going to be using, because the sense of surprise and wonder and mystery is really fascinating, and it's something to, like, work towards. Yeah, and you, there's also, like, choices that can be made, like, do you want to help this person or not? And you can kind of, like, influence, like, the events that are going to happen to you or your reputation based off of the choices that you make as a party. There's also kind of, like, a in-party competition as well as, you know, when enemies are defeated, they drop coins or loot, and so you can pick that up. And so the first person to, like, get to a chest in a room basically gets to claim it, and it's theirs. Meanwhile, while also trying to micromanage your uh, damage output and enemies and things like that because you have a deck of or a hand of cards and once you run out of cards you're forced into a long rest and then you get some of those cards back you have to permanently lose one for the rest of the encounter so it's really interesting how you can manage your turns because there's some moves you can use but then you lose that card which means you're one turn closer to going down because if you run out of cards you're out of the rest of the encounter and yeah. so you kind of have to strategize well you know is it worth using this big bang right now if it means i might go down sooner if things get out of control yeah there's a lot of really cool strategic elements in the actual combat and what i like most about it is most of the encounters we've played so far have been down to the wire like every single move we made was important it felt like so and we have a full party yeah we have a full team so it, it was it's definitely something that surprised me because i'm not super into tabletop games these days because there's so many like games and books and stuff that i want to get to that i just don't have the time for it usually but the fact that we can get together like once every week or so sit down here at the table and play some gloomhaven for a few hours like it's it's been really refreshing and a lot of fun yeah the fact that we sit when we sit down and play it we play it for like six hours every couple weeks like i can't imagine myself wanting to do that with like monopoly mm -hmm. <laughs> i did that with risk in high school so yeah. so much risk we I would do played... whole weekend games of risk and it was amazing i have played risk exactly one time i won and i'm gonna keep it that way <laughs> <laughs> perfect victory streak uh, yep. i guess the other major like media thing that i did recently is i finished reading stephen king's the institute as a book i'd also been reading throughout most of the year i think i picked it up when it dropped in late 2020 and then i've been reading it ever since that's the type of book that like if you don't like the idea of witnessing a lot of children being psychologically and physically abused maybe skip over it it's not extremely grotesque but it's definitely uncomfortable in a lot of places but it builds up to this uh sense of catharsis that is just cool and it definitely like has that stephen king flavor to it where there's so much detail in the actual institute building and the people working there and the like evils that are going on it's, it's basically about psychic children that are kidnapped and then used for like weird stuff and so you're like steadily uncovering that you're learning more about the main character who's like this just brilliant little kid and it, it's a cool read and one that definitely like had me continuously turning pages so i don't know definitely not for everybody if you like can't stomach that sort of level of violence directed towards children but it's again it's not to the point that like it made me sick to my stomach it was just uncomfortable at points well that's good I mean, yeah not good but i mean good that it was at that level and not worse 
Yeah, it was a good book, regardless. It was something that, like, you can pick out of Stephen King's library and not worry about knowing of whatever else he's done. And there's a lot of books that he does like that, but I think this one is a pretty cool self-contained story. Yeah. You and I also watched through The Mandalorian. Yeah, and Um, John Wick. We watched all of the John Wick films. Yep. Caught you up on a couple other things like Blade Runner. Yeah, finally got to watch Blade Runner. That was cool. We watched some animated films. No, no, I hadn't seen that or John Wick. Oh, I haven't seen John Wick. I'm not going to lie. I recommend it. It, it's really cool fast-paced action of course but like the lighting i think is incredible well it's also just kind of like it's a monster movie where the monster is kind of the hero yeah like there's like this like lore around the character of john wick that exists within this world and so people are like oh hey john wick you uh you working again <laughs> and he's like you know he's literally known as the baba yaga or the boogeyman within like the mob world and like yeah. all this, like he's, you know, he's a, he's an official assassin and a part of a, a league of assassins. And it's all this nonsense and over the top drama and almost Shakespearean levels of ridiculous happenings, the falls of empires and things like that. It's just very silly, uh, but also done in a way that kind of sells it. Yeah. The um, world and the lore is really cool. And I didn't necessarily expect that going in. They almost make like when you're reading like a, fantasy novel and they come upon say like camelot and you're like wow this is like this city is a magical place they do that but they do it to new york city yeah and so like they give new york city this like really unique personality and it's almost his own character within the context of the film because of just the different locations that they go to and the the meanings behind all these different locations but most of it takes place in new york city it's really interesting yeah really cool films slight trigger warning for the first film because one of the events that does kind of set john wick free is the killing of his dog and it's fairly graphic i mean it's clearly like you can tell it's a prop right Right. It's not super realistic, but it is one of those things that kind of kept me from watching the films for a while because I don't like watching dogs or cats or animals be like brutally murdered, even if it is like super fakey. But yeah, so it's, what Alex it's is saying cool is he'll spend hours reading a book about the psychological abuse of children, but heaven forbid a dog get shot. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I guess another interesting thing that I've been interacting with is I recently have watched like every Angry Video Game Nerd episode out there. And by extension, I've watched every Board James episode. And the things that James Rolfe did with Board James is absolutely incredible when you take it into the idea that it was done on YouTube. Like this guy put together a very complex story with all these hidden little elements and he like explains them in additional like supplementary videos. And it's just really cool. And it also, like captures the feelings of being in the 90s and a or 80s and 90s and being around board game culture, especially like framed behind how they marketed those on television. So it, it's a fascinating project. Uh, I highly recommend going into board games kind of blind, but the angry video game nerd is just like, it's super crude, but man, it's funny at times. And it's, he like somehow treads this line between being super vulgar and it being a parody of itself and like actually telling you about video game history. So you still learn a lot. That's really clever. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, there's a reason that James has inspired an entire generation of, like, video game content creators. So, I don't know. I've been having a lot of fun with it. But let's talk (laughs) about 2020 in games. Guys, let's go through just some of our favorite games from the year, talk about why those games should be played even beyond 2020, and then we'll get into what we're looking forward to in the coming months of 2021. So, Joe, let's start with you. What are some of your picks for your favorite game 
or favorite game experience of 2020? I would say like probably the biggest one is Last of Us Part 2. That game just has stuck with me and I still months later have moments where I'm just like thinking about that game and the way that they they told their story and they they forced player perspective. It's not a comfortable game to play similar to how Schindler's List isn't a comfortable movie to watch. But much like how Schindler's List is considered an important movie to watch, I would say The Last of Us can be considered an important game to play. Aside from that, the the graphical elements and the huge gameplay improvements really, really set that game apart for me this year. Aside from that, uh, this year... I dabbled in a lot of things, but I have also a lot of things I need to finish. But uh, a very close second would be uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon. They masterfully switched genres to a traditional turn-based JRPG, clearly taking some inspiration from the things that Persona 5 did to the genre and like implemented them in its own way. It's still also very much yakuza and i think it uh it'll be interesting to see what they decide to do with the franchise moving forward because this could set a precedence for even other franchises wanting to do like a complete game mechanic shift from what they're they're usually known for i also picked up yakuza like a dragon but i've yet to start it i did want to toss in a bit of retro gaming news while we're on the topic of yakuza though the japanese only yakuza black panther that was released on the psp does have an english fan translation now so if you are curious about some of the titles that we didn't get in america that's one way you can go interact with that title zach what uh what games stick out in your mind of 2020 and i mean i'm assuming your answer is going to be animal crossing but i'm curious oh yeah yeah my main answer is definitely animal crossing i've had a ton of fun with it it was such a needed animal crossing experience and it's still going and i love that they can update this on the fly and keep adding more and more elements in it so like when it come out there wasn't like the um oh what's it called the dream not dream institute something like that where you get to meet the lady who does the sleep thing that lets you go visit other islands and like check out like islands you visited before to see how people have designed them and like worked on them and play around in it and see how you like it to take back to your own and in this recent update they stopped a little bit of time travel manipulation forward so you can't go forward to do like seasonal events like thanksgiving or halloween or easter but you can go backwards so that people who can't enjoy them on time can still go backwards to that event enjoy it and then catch back up in time i think that's really important because a lot of times i find myself in a situation Like, all these timed Steam demos that come out, I almost always download them, like, the day day it happens, and then I think, oh, I'll get to that in a day or two. And then by the time I'm ready to sit down and play these demos, they're, like, no longer available, and that drives me nuts. There's so many games I want to try that I just can't now. So I think the ability to go back, even if it is a timed event... Being able to go back and still experience that content, I think is really, really important, especially when we live in the era where so many game modes and events are temporary. Even in some of our favorites, like Monster Hunter, there's some stuff that like you just won't be able to see if you don't log in at a certain time, and I'm not a big fan of that. Yeah, FOMO has really burnt me out on a lot of things this year. Mm-hmm. Like Toast and I love Destiny, but we basically stopped playing it because there's so much happening so fast that we can't get the story of. So we're just kind of meh. Now, are you guys playing the Beyond Light expansion or whatever the newest one is called? Nope. We decided not to pick it up because there's just there's so much going on with the new seasonal rotations they have set up in their battle pass system that we just are going to miss it anyway. So we're 
just not going to get it. Interesting. Yeah, that that game, I acknowledge that there's a lot of good elements to it, but there's so many things in there that I just don't like. And I don't, like, if I were to sit down and play with you and Toast for a while, like, sure, I'd probably play more of it. But I don't really have an excuse. And I, it, like, there's nothing in that game that would drive me. Like, most of the loot is fairly copy and paste. It's kind of like Diablo in that sense. And I, I've never enjoyed those loot systems. But, yeah, that's unfortunate because I, I want to see what Bungie's going to do now that they're disconnected with Activision. And this, I think, is one of their first, like, major expansions since that. Yes, I I do hear raving, like, people about it. Like, not only the folks that have been staunch defenders, but some that have been like, I've been on the line of stuff, but this has been fantastic. So yeah. I'm looking forward to more of it. But uh, I guess outside of all that, I've um, really, really enjoyed Spirit Fair too. Right. Even though I'm not at the end of it, which is still crazy. Uh, it's a lot of ship moving back and forth. Yeah, review pending for that one, but... Every time we talk about it, it seems like you you walk away with positive. Yeah, no, I, I haven't had a bad experience with it yet. As far as like the story, the gameplay, I just put myself in a weird corner and I have to keep taking my boat back and forth across the map. So that's really annoying. So that'd be my only like shot in the foot at the game. But it's it's beautiful and pretty heart wrenching. Yeah. Speaking of heart wrenching, the game that definitely made the most emotional impact on me in 2020 was Final Fantasy VII Remake. I forgot how much I love those characters and that story, and the way the story manifested in this particular remake I found so fascinating and just fun to discuss with other friends. And that's something that I like had been missing from my gameplay experience for many years, because... This was finally something that I knew so many of my friends were playing. Even if I hadn't talked to them in years, I could be like, yo, did you play FF7 Remake and what'd you think about it? And then we'd talk for two or three days. And I love that. Like, it was such a cool experience. I love that me and Marshall got to sit down and do a deep dive on it here on the podcast. Like, that game, I think, is such a good start for whatever they're doing next. And it's such a cool experience for fans of Final Fantasy in general, especially the original game. But emotionally, that is definitely the game that made my 2020. But I gotta say, when it comes to mechanics, I've got two that I absolutely adored. And I I think you guys have played at least a little bit of this one. So Doom Eternal is probably my favorite first-person shooting that I've played in a very long time. It is so much fun. So I've seen a lot of people playing it. I loved the other Doom. I think I'm like at the very end of it. I just didn't finish the last boss because we kept rolling into other things, so I just kind of left it there. The same way I left Final Fantasy VII like on the last little push because I want to enjoy the whole thing in one sitting and just take it all in while I'm playing. Yeah. And I just haven't set aside time to do that. It looks gorgeous, and I've watched... I think I watched you play a little bit of it when you streamed it once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I streamed, I, I think, the entire experience. And I've been watching uh, a streamer from, I can't remember what the town is across the river from Parkersburg in Ohio, Smokeloke, and he's been a riot to watch. But he's been he's been cracking me up. But the game looks gorgeous. I watched him play off and on because I think our schedules were just not lining up between work and you playing. But man. Yeah, that game is like mm. action chess because all the pieces being the monsters and the weapons and resources you have, they all have these like checks and balances and it's all happening in real time, of course. So it's it's such a cool like dynamic fight system. And it's just really fun, even at the higher difficulty settings for me. Uh, I think there's definitely a limit. Like once you get to the absolute hardest difficulty, I I think the game gets kind of ridiculous but somewhere right above normal is like this sweet spot that just feels awesome and playing the master levels i thought was really fun but it, it's just such a cool like it, it's just like
like, 80s fantasy action with lots of gore and cool monsters and, like, over-the-top weapons, and it's just, it's video game fun, and it definitely carries a lot of the, like, energy of not only the original Doom games, but just fans of Doom in general, so I had a lot of fun with it, and there's still a lot of that I could go back and play. Like, I haven't played the DLC, and I think there's a new master level to do, but related to shooters, kind of in the same vein as Doom, I had a lot of fun with BPM Bullets Per Minute. Now, this is a game that I talked about. It's an indie. We actually have an interview, I think, sitting around somewhere that I promise that I will get to before probably the next month or so. But this is a rhythm first-person shooter where you have to time your shots and reloads on the beat, and it's great. It's a roguelike, so it's kind of similar to, say, Binding of Isaac, where you're, like, running around picking up weapons, unlocking characters. It was recently featured in the Games Done Quick event for uh, January, and it was really cool to watch somebody speedrun it. But BPM is an indie that I just... I can't recommend it enough. It's so cool. Yeah, no, I was watching, I think I was watching The Best Jared with you. And when you had some access to it kind of early, that was awesome to watch. The game sounds gorgeous. Yeah, that soundtrack is great. And if there's ever been a good example of how the music emerges you into a game, this is the game to explain it. Yep. Both this and Doom Eternal put me in that very comfortable flow state that I love in games, where you're just completely engrossed in your task, and, like, you're almost moving based on just instinct. It's one of my favorite experiences in games, and both of those triggered that for me. Yeah, and that's a hard instinct to explain to people who don't play games commonly, because once you're in that state, like, you think about hitting buttons and swinging triggers, like, lightly if you've played games for a bit. It's not something that's always in your head. You just have that muscular reflex. Yeah. But once you're in it, it's like you're part of the character with your controls. Yeah, it's really and, cool. Yeah, no, and that's that's an awesome feeling. Hello, Kaiju lovers! I'm Nathan Marchand, the host and curator of the Monster Island Film Vault, a podcast seeking entertainment and enlightenment through Tokusatsu. And that's my intrepid producer, Jimmy from NASA, who miraculously survived the infamous war in space, but he won't tell me how. Anyway. Join me and my rotating roster of guest hosts as we critically and academically examine various kaiju and tokusatsu media and have fun along the way. Assuming the mysterious Monster Island Board of Directors doesn't suddenly cancel us. I did say that out loud, and I don't care. Check out our website, monsterislandfilmvault.com, or find us on your favorite podcatcher. Jimmy, cue credits. Oh yeah, it's a trailer. Oops. Tales of giant monsters are as old as tales themselves. But what makes those stories fit into the kaiju genre and just how scary can they be? Larry and Justin are pursuing this very knowledge on the Here's Johnny podcast, a horror show that arrives every week, just like your favorite radio drama, but instantly through forbidden sciences known as Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. There are a ton of kaiju out there to learn about. Just listen to your local emergency officials and stay out of their paths. Wait, say that again? Uh, sorry, folks. I'm getting a message from our staff. Uh, folks, we're getting reports that a massive creature has just risen off the coast of this station and is heading this way. Please follow evacuation protocol and... Listen to the Here's Johnny podcast 
on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. So those are some of the games that really stood out to us, but I do want to just kind of run down a quick list of games we've played that are really good, or maybe games that we haven't played that we hear a lot about or acknowledge are very well made. Uh, Streets of Rage 4, I think, is great. I've only played the first few levels, but it's extremely well made and has a lot of fan service to Streets of Rage players. So that's really cool. I can't recommend that one enough. Ghost of Tsushima. I haven't played a lot of it, but people love it, and I've watched some people play it, and there's a new mode that's, like, even cooler with more, like, fantasy elements, so that game is really cool. It's basically one of the better versions of an Assassin's Creed-style Ubisoft game, but not made by those folks, <laughs> which is cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the whole thing is really good. Uh, they they clearly took some inspiration from those open world action adventure games, but we're also like, how do we make this feel a little less like a game and more like an experience? And so the UI is incredibly clean. There's often nothing on the screen until you're actively interacting with something. When you there's no mini map, uh, there's no UI elements on screen all the time. It's the way you find where you need to go is you swipe on the little touchpad on the ps4 controller and the wind blows and the direction that the wind is blowing is the direction of your objective and so they use some really clever graphical things that were a part of the environment to kind of indicate where you should be going even when you encounter certain like side questy things it's not like a, a thing on oh go here it's a in this area, there's something. And so you'll you'll see a fox. Well, if you follow that fox, you will find a small shrine. And if you pay your respects to the shrine, you get a, a, a boon of some sort. Or you'll just stumble upon a hot springs and you'll, you know, take a bath in the hot springs and reflect on something. The, the whole way that they try to take the game part of it out as much as they could and let the environment replace those elements was really, really smart. And I look forward to seeing what they do with more of that because I didn't, guess I didn't really realize I've enjoyed a lot of their games <laughs> throughout the years. Didn't realize they were the ones that had done those games, but this last one is is a bit of a masterpiece. Um, I still have a long, long way to go to play through it, but the multiplayer is fun. It's cooperative, cooperative mission-based, and so you can work together to take out these Oni demon tribes and rescue people and you can switch between doing assassinations or just straight up like challenging them and and doing those things but it's also class-based so there's different uh, abilities that you can do and you get different cosmetic things and equipment that change your abilities it's super fun yeah ghost of tsushima is definitely one that joe has spent way more time than any of us but it's one that like it's sitting on his shelf and every morning i walk by it and go maybe today's the day <laughs> It never is. No, I've got something else that I need to be grinding through over the next couple weeks. But this is a game, I guess these are two games, that have been the most fun to play with other people that I didn't put as much time into as most. And that's Fall Guys and Among Us. Both excellent multiplayer experiences. Absolutely. They're just stupendous for what they are, and you can just keep going. You can play a round of it, or you can play 20 rounds of it. Yeah. And I don't see either game losing momentum as we go into 2021, because Among Us will soon be on Xbox. It's already on Switch. Uh, they're getting ready to add a couple, like, features that people are using, but add that into the game. So, for example, voice chat is going to be native on the Xbox version. And then Fall Guys just continues to get more 
costumes and levels and stuff. So both of those games, I think, have created a foundation that they can just build endlessly on, basically until there's no players. And I don't see there being no players for a long time. Same, because Among Us basically said they were going to make an Among Us 2, and then after its blow up in popularity early, earlier this year, they backtracked and they were like, you know what, we're not going to do that. We're just going to implement everything from 2 into 1 with some updates. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a really cool thing to just watch grow. And of course, watching people stream it is hilarious. Some of the funniest moments we've ever had on stream were involved with Among Us. Shoutouts to Paku and the gang. So I don't know. It's it's a game that I would like to get back to, but it's definitely not something that I want to play like frequently. Probably the biggest game that none of us have spent time with that I own now is Hades. Hades made a huge splash when it exited early access. It infected, it seems, the minds of most games critics to the point that 90% of them that I follow are like oh Hades is amazing I spent like 300 hours on it or whatever it's like totally taken over my brain so that that's one that I hope to jump into soon but none of us have played it I don't think <laughs> no I, I haven't played it I own it and I bought it well before it was out of early access yeah well I have it on the epic store now yep that's where I bought it I did one of their coupon things got a free game got a $10 coupon caught a sale bought Hades for very cheap in that yep fashion i did that to get death stranding on pc yeah <laughs> that's a game that i really can't wait for either of you guys to play through at some point because there's some really cool things to talk about we planned on that but it's just such a it's like a 40 hour experience and at the time i think it was just hard to fit that into zach's schedule so maybe we'll come back to that one of these days but it was a cool experience for me so i'm excited to see what you guys do mm-hmm. uh the other major game that i am sad to say that we missed out on is demon souls on ps5 neither of us or any of us have been able to pick up the ps5 or the xbox series x and that's a shame because I had plans to originally and then there was a sudden move so maybe I'll get to that in February or March but yeah both that and any of the other exclusives on either consoles is something that we just have no idea if they're good or not probably (laughs) I hear Demon Souls is fantastic yeah from what I've watched of it it looks stunning and I haven't seen any like weird game hiccups like yeah. what I watch, like not enough that have caught me in like being like, eh, that's, that's a problem. A couple other titles that are good that we probably haven't played are things like Spelunky 2. I've watched a lot of gameplay. I haven't played it myself. Uh, Umaranki Generation, which is a indie game centered around photography. That's got some very cool style and some story narrative twists that I think people will really enjoy that I know about because I listened to Vice Waypoint. <laughs> their podcast 13 sentinels i mentioned i think it's good but not for everybody i think the story might be cool i'm currently playing through it i guess crash bandicoot 4 it's about time i personally don't support activision and that falls under their umbrella unfortunately but i hear it's a well-made game just don't play it if you're a completionist because <laughs> that game will drive you insane just watch gerard's video on youtube it'll well, tell you or, all about it uh, alternatively you could watch cat icarus's video which yeah. is like an hour and a half long digging into why there's it It's basically a 10-hour game that requires you to spend another 150 hours to get everything, and it's not rewarding to do so. Yeah, unfortunate, but that game is well-designed for the most part. Another one related to that, I guess we'll just hit kind of the, like, bummer studios that I usually avoid. Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2. I hear is very well made that I just don't want to support financially because it's Activision. It's probably a fine game. (laughs) Connected to that is Star Wars Squadrons, another game that when it came out, kind of in a weird week where like nothing else is really going on, but everybody seemed kind of busy with other things. Star Wars Squadrons, people say is pretty good. Uh, A game that costs a lot of money 
to play, which is unfortunate because I hear it's extremely well made, Half-Life Alex. back in March of last year. I didn't get a chance to pick up a $1,000 VR headset, surprisingly, so I haven't played this. Well, I guess moving on, uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales is... If you enjoyed the first one, it's more of that with some uh, new powers mixed in to make Miles feel really distinct. There's some cool character moments that really kind of stand out that really kind of make you feel if you were missing the like origin or Spider-Man year one story from the first Spider-Man game because he's kind of an experienced Spider-Man already at that point. Uh, you're going to get that in Miles Morales because you're kind of seeing him come into his own. He's trying really hard to be Peter Parker. And anytime he tries to be Peter Parker, it doesn't work very well. And so it's really him like trying to come into his own. He's following Peter Parker's example, but he's trying to do it in all the wrong ways. It, it's really interesting to see that pressure on him as you know early in the game peter parker goes on vacation with his wife to europe and almost immediately things happen which creates this like dynamic of this high school kid the weight of his shoulders and you know the one benefit he has that peter didn't have at the same in the same circumstances was peter parker didn't have peter parker yeah miles does and so it's it's a really interesting dynamic and to see how it plays different and how the stories are different and how his experiences being miles morales is different than being peter parker uh and how they how they grow and act towards people and obviously the visuals are going to be a lot sharper on the ps5 but joe has it on the ps4 and it looks fine like, I'm sure yeah, that good. there's a difference between the two, but it's perfectly playable on the PS4. If the you're... character, the redesign of Peter Parker is a little off-putting because... Yeah, that's weird. I, I spent <laughs> like a good, I spent like a good 50, 60 hours with the other Peter Parker, and I'm like, wait, oh yeah, they changed the design. <laughs> yeah, and just to wrap up some games that either we haven't spent a lot of time with or that we've missed entirely that are probably good, uh, Sukuno of Rice and Ruin, that's a game that people like. Bug Snacks, neither of us have finished it, but just has started it uh kingdom hearts melody of memory on the switch i hear is a fine mm. rhythm game and i can't wait to see what story crap is in there star renegades a tactical rpg that has some of the most gorgeous sprite work i've ever seen if that shows up on sale pick that puppy up because it, it is gorgeous haven is a game we've talked a lot about but i haven't had the time to play so hopefully i've got it installed via game pass i just yeah. haven't fired it up it's one of those things that we have pretty easy access to it. We just haven't put in the time. So that that's one that's out there. Super Meat Boy Forever is getting kind of a lukewarm perception, but some people are kind of digging it. Bug Fables. If you're hungry for a Paper Mario style RPG, pick up Bug Fables because that is essentially an indie take on Thousand Year Door. So people really, really like that. Moon is a Switch port, I think, of an older RPG. People say that's really good. Speaking of RPGs, we have Cross Code, which is like a Super Nintendo style RPG. That's available on switch i hear it's solid neo uh, 2 neo, yeah i was about just about to say neo 2 i think it builds on the first game but it's more of the first game so if you enjoyed the first game you're probably gonna like the second one yeah and then real quick we have raji and ancient epic a game i want to play because it's got a lot of indian mythology i bought it recently from the epic store risk of rain 2 i adored the first risk of rain i would love to get a party together and play the second one i can fell is a cool little jr well i don't think it's a jrpg but it's it's definitely built in that style it's got a lot of inner interesting gender affirmation and just real world social discussions that I think are really relevant to a lot of people right now. And I hear a lot of people having some, some fun with it. 
and there's some really interesting like story bits in there. And then Fuser is a music game from the folks that make Rock Band, and it basically makes you feel like a live DJ, and people are having tons of fun with that, but be careful streaming it. I think it's fine, but just be careful, because streaming music is weird. And then lastly, we do have Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition, which is another entry in that series I'll probably never play, because I'm not a big fan of the combat. But yeah, that's another giant JRPG. Uh, I've maybe had enough of those for a little while i'm playing some of the smaller <laughs> jrpgs a <laughs> couple of them i think you may not have mentioned uh, i played a good chunk of wasteland 3 which okay. has some really interesting uh, cooperative rpg uh, opportunities it was a little buggy uh i have to jump back into it and see if they fix some things but yeah definitely worth uh, picking up with a friend and playing uh did you mention carrion no no which kind of is like a metroidvania but you're the monster trying to escape the facility rather than going into and destroying the facility recently there was an amazing run of it at awesome games done quick that uh alex and i watched that was just really fun because the just the movement of it is just weird but uh that's a like that's a fun indie game that has had a pretty positive reception this year yeah that speed run was absolutely hilarious and we watched <laughs> a lot of those events throughout the week which was a really fun time because we just kind of had it on uh, for the most part. I was looking to see if I could track down the final number count real quick for us. The last we saw was 2.7 million, and that was right yeah. at the end. Uh, bonuses, layouts, uh, task bot. Okay, so the final number, according to their Twitter as of January 10th, is $2.7 million yeah. for Prevent Cancer. That's crazy. Yeah, the um, the best they've had, I think, is a little over $3 million, But it's insane that the production values they had as an online event have just gotten better and better. And this, for the most part, this event went really well. Like, most of the runs we saw didn't have a whole lot of issues. And it was smooth sailing, for the most part. A lot of really impressive stuff. Yeah, you can tell that they learned a lot and put a lot into learning from their experience doing the Summer Games done quick online. And so... Things were a lot more seamless this time around than they were before. But I think they also put a lot of effort into, they have regular show like programming almost daily. And so they had to learn how to do some of that remotely too, I think. Mm -hmm. And so with that, they were able to like practice some of the things that they were going to need for the big event, which was, I think, super helpful. Yeah. So we had a lot of fun with Games Done Quick. I really want to get back to being able to be at events in person because I miss that dearly. And there's still connections I would like to make. But yeah, so that pretty well covers our 2020 discussions. I'm sure there are games that we missed. I am sure that there are games that many people were praising that maybe we didn't please let us know if there's something kind of in the fringe that is really good i would love to get more game recommendations in general and so if there's something that you think is super super good even if it's not released in 2020 just let i will us add know. that i will add that if uh if we praise the game you hated you can be quiet yeah <laughs> <laughs> feel free to disagree but don't be an ass <laughs> don't ruin my good time and i won't ruin yours how about that <laughs> But looking forward, gentlemen, what are some of the games you hope to play in 2021? Uh, off the top mm. of my head, Monster Hunter Rise, the demo out this week, is at the top of the list for me. Absolutely. Um, there's also an indie RPG that I've had my eye on basically since last February or even last January, maybe, that did not come out last year that hopefully will come out this year called Eastward. Very heavily inspired by Earthbound and Mother 3. And so I'm, I'm pretty excited for that. Uh, and then in terms of games that I think in terms of just technical ability, it, like what they showed off so far, 
Ratchet and Clank are Rift Apart just is mind-blowingly cool looking uh, yeah. with the ability to just immediately just pop in and out of different locations utilizing the new hard drive architecture of the PlayStation 5. I think we're going to see, I think Ratchet and Clank is going to be basically a uh, technical demo of what that system is going to be capable of and people are just going to push that further and further as time goes on. Yeah, connected to, I mean, obviously I'm ready for more Monster Hunter. I will probably put in a pre-order pretty soon on it, and the demo's been a lot of fun. I also just really want to play Monster Hunter Stories, too. Basically, if it's got Monster Hunter in the title, inject that shit into my freaking veins. Like, let's go. I'm so stoked for it. And, like, we played the demo, and it's so easy to just jump into an online match, and I hope that that carries into the full game, because that's the major hurdle for World, is it's kind of clunky getting into online play. But aside from Monster Hunter, Resident Evil Village is definitely one of my most anticipated titles. I love the Resident Evil series, Resident Evil 7 was incredible, and it looks like a lot of that will carry into Resident Evil 8 with some really cool improvements. Yeah, so for me, in 2021, I have... A handful of games that I'm interested in. One would definitely be for the story and what it's going to do. I don't expect it to be massive, but if it is, I'll be super surprised and happy about it is the medium. Yeah, yeah. Because that's going to be more of like, it looks much more like a visual movie game whatever we call that looks very puzzly based on the gameplay that's the one where i said i saw the gameplay and feel less interested about it because it seems much slower paced than what i was hoping for but i don't know i've been talking about bloober team for a while and i think they've got a slam dunk in their in their veins at some point that's coming soon hopefully it's the medium we'll see i guess <laughs> i hope so it just looks terrifying and brilliant and i want that yeah uh next up would be ghostwire tokyo yes i was hoping somebody would bring this up this looks super cool yes ghostwire looks fantastic i've not got to see like anything very recent on it but everything i'd seen up till you know october had me like hooked in for just slated to i want to play that I think having a cool, like, creepy running around through Tokyo with, like, weird Shinto powers and fighting yokai, like, that sounds awesome. Especially from that team, because they really do some cool creature design, and I'm I'm excited to see what they do. Right. And then two more games, just one from Nostalgia and one from the fact that I just love the series. First would be Prince of Persia. Uh, Sands of Time remake. I'm yeah. really curious yeah. what they're going to do with that because I really loved that series. That's another one of those like classic kind of middle of the road trilogies that I want to sit down and experience. Kind of like what well, I did with Onimusha. What's kind of interesting is that this is going to be like the fourth time this series is going to be like redone. Oh yeah, they yeah. reboot it every like 10 years or so almost. Yeah, because it was originally like a 2D platformer and right. the like rewind mechanic was something they put in because they didn't it was, I think it was something like it was easier to put in a rewind mechanic than it was to put in better platforming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so they're just like, well, we'll just leave it hard and let people rewind and kind of thing. Uh, it worked. And then uh, they had the trilogy. They had the trilogy and then they had that other one. That's the one I yeah. had and it was bad where like the prince is all blue and red. Really cool art style. Yeah. Man, that game sucks. <laughs> and so now we're coming now we're coming back to just remaking Sands of Time, which is interesting to me. Yeah. I think right. that what was that team is kind of confused on what they want to do with the prince. So, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> what was the other one you were mentioning, Zach? The Evil Dead. Yeah, that looks cool. Uh -huh. <laughs> I just really fucking love the Evil Dead. 
such a um, wacky series of movies it is it's absolutely bonkers and the tv shows just like the movies it has that same feel like there's a lot of serious 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 and then ash is like oh hey guys presses a bad button like sets all hell loose whoops yeah Should've i like that, that series a lot what it is kinda, it? it ash versus evil dead that's a really fun show it is yeah. and that's, it's exactly it fits the exact same theme as like the movies we're running in and stuff it's horror it's comedy in many like, ways ash kind of reminds me of hellboy oh uh, yeah and just his, like being surrounded like oh there's all these like demons and they're spouting latin and all being all serious and he's just like shut the frick up <laughs> and he just punches them <laughs> yeah because ash is not a hero he's is just trying to fix his mistake. He's like, <laughs> I, I, I broke some stuff. He's a bit I of broke, an everyman. I broke the world. He's just very capable. Yeah. What a cool thing. I can't wait to see what they're like. All we got is a trailer so far of Ash versus Evil Dead or the Evil Dead video game. So I don't know. It's one of those things that like the idea is cool, and I hope that it turns out good i'm also kind of excited to see like i'm guessing it's going to be a remaster not a remake of the uh mass effect trilogy yeah supposedly uh, as of today that's coming out in march is what people yeah. are thinking and seeing those games like because the whole trilogy was made across almost two console cycles and so like the first game doesn't look anything like the third game and so to bring them all up to the same level i think is exciting it'll be interesting to see if they decide to catch the first games up uh take the first game gameplay and kind of modernize it and catch it up to the two and three gameplay because it's honestly a little jank and i while i like the story i don't know if it's a game i would want to return to and play in its yeah original form but if they were to update it and make that that gunplay and that action a little bit more in line with two and three definitely would be interested in playing it again because that gameplay is really satisfying in two and three and so it'd be it'll, i'll be curious to see what they decide to do with that i honestly got pretty bored of mass effect and i think it's because of the main character because it's such an impression of the player and i don't necessarily like games with a ton of focus on dialogue choice but yeah th those are interesting games and just to refresh your memory a little bit just all three of them were available on the 360 and the ps3 it was a single console generation okay well one of them came out <laughs> at the beginning of that console cycle and it shows yeah 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 for sure <laughs> andromeda is the one that hit ps4 and one and people don't like it although i recently listened to somebody who's a big fan of the mass effect series talk about playing it just out of shits and giggles and they're like you know it's a fine game it just it's clear that they were trying to set up another trilogy and it just didn't work like apparently it's playable now at least but yeah, a lot of the dialogue yeah. choices are like, oh, here, just wait. <laughs> I, I got it for $5 at like Target. Easily worth $5. Yeah, yeah, I'm like pretty much any garbage game is a little more palatable when it's like five bucks, but you know. <laughs> All right, guys, so let's let's end this conversation, but just what do we want to do? in 2021 i mean obviously a lot of things kind of hinge on the the current state of the pandemic here in the united states because honestly i would love to go to a convention and you know host a panel and those sort of things but that's so up in the air that i don't even want to like talk about it <laughs> yeah i just want to do more i want to keep growing this like after some of the like crazy shitstorm of whatever has been happening here in the past like year like settles down some so that we can feel safe to like kind of be cranking through our stuff again full-time well mostly full-time yeah <laughs> at least there's more time for me personally to work on it because i have primarily shifted well i've entirely shifted into working on just being the community manager for super colony and so i am completely sustaining myself with that 
hopefully that goes on for many months and many years, and that'll be one of those positions that, like, hopefully sticks around for me. But uh, I'm having a lot of fun with that. And there's a lot of cool projects that I've been working on that have challenged me as, you know, somebody that's in the geek culture, and I've done some cool things here recently. But aside from that, I I will have just more time in general to work on these sort of things. It's just a matter of getting that motivation and setting aside that time. Because I have the time, it's just a matter of, like, being awake early and sitting down and editing whatever. And so I, I just hope to do more of that, and I hope to connect more and share more stories and have more angles and you know whatever i'm with zach though i I just want to do more involved with forever classic uh for me i don't have a lot of wiggle room in some of the things that i would like to do so i've kind of come to the conclusion that i need to step away from a couple of the things that i do to make more time for some of the real goals that i have which include creating more content for daddy gamer being more consistent in my content for forever classic but it's kind of a i want to do too many i've got my hats on And it's too many hats and I can't balance them. And so I need to put some of the hats away so that I can better focus on the ones that mean more to me as time goes on. Especially since, you know, with everything going on, I don't have the time during the day like I used to, to kind of invest in doing stuff like a stream just myself or whatever, because I'm homeschooling our daughter and I'm also working freelance. So between the two of those things, a lot of my time just gets eaten up. And some days I spend all day just doing school and then I just got to go into freelance work. And so hopefully with pulling out of a couple of those, these other hobbies of mine and other things that I'm a part of, I can direct my energy better and focus it more into accomplishing some stuff. Yeah. Uh, I also want to grow a salsa garden and make homemade salsa and build an arcade cabinet, build an arcade cabinet. I've been talking about building that arcade cabinet for years, so hopefully we get to that. And I also <laughs> want to learn like how to cook better. I've picked up a sous vide machine. I'm learning recipes online, doing a lot of experimentation with that. So that's another just like weird random thing that I want to do between here and then. Hmm. I also plan on making myself just a little more mobile by picking up like a nice laptop or something, but I don't know. We'll see. But in general, and- it's been a hell of a year with you guys. I really appreciate all the time and efforts that you all put into this. And of course, I can't thank you all enough for being friends friends of mine especially joe for opening up his house and and zach also being like you know you can come here anytime if you feel like it like y'all mean a lot to me if those seams and start being a problem you can come here (laughs) (laughs) yeah my life has taken a weird turn but i'm happy to know that i've got friends yep you're always welcome you're always loved we got you (laughs) thanks guys look at at joe he's throwing you in the basement and everything yeah (laughs) Yeah, now we have our very own basement gremlin hey i've got a lot of room down here it's pretty nice (laughs) All right. Well, with that, stay cool, everybody. Yeah, be sure to um, step by. Is there anything by. else? Well, just uh, for to keep up with us, check out foreverclassicgames.com. That's where our written stuff and basically the anchor for everything's going to be. But other than that, that's about it. I mean, I hope everybody has a great start to their year. I know it's been a weird one. Even even in the first couple of weeks, but we'll get 11 through it. Eleven days in. Yeah, eleven days in. Too, too many to go. Yep, yep. It's it's a weird one, but we'll get through it. And in the meantime, we'll have fun. We'll watch movies. We'll play games. We'll do Do yourselves a favor. Get off social media, play a video game. Yeah, or read a book yeah. or something. <laughs> Take a walk, I guess. That's a thing people do, right? <laughs> right. Ask that's outside. To play games that's outside you. though. We'll do that from time to time. Yeah, we've got some <laughs> things going on. You jump into a monster hunter session or whatever. We're We're around, I guess. (laughs) All right. Well, 
So for everybody at home, thank you for listening. Thank you for putting up with all our random hiatuses and this and that and the kind of like the not very timely schedule for a lot of things, especially you developers that took the time to like talk to us and do an interview or whatever. I'm sorry. I'm going to get that out as soon as I can. But Yeah, same for the ones that have extended games for us to go through and review and get out to and everything. We just, yeah, things have happened, but they're coming and they're coming with a lot of care. Yeah, just, yeah. Just We're- late. We're putting a lot of effort into them, that's for sure. We're not going to skimp out on the effort. It's just a matter of timing. But again, thank you for everybody for listening to the Forever Classic podcast. Check out what we're doing. And I hope that everybody just does well and has fun and stays cool. Bye. (laughs) Until next time, friends. (laughs) 